0: Welcome back to The Wise Man's Page, the daily podcast where we read a page of The Wise Man's Sphere and then we discuss it in excruciating detail. This is page 646. Her smile a snare ten times as strong as legendary fairy song. O, oh, Lady Fair, Felurian, your kiss is honeysuckle sweet. I pity any other man unknown to you and incomplete. I watched her from the corner of my eye. She sat as if listening with her entire body. Her eyes were wide. She'd raised one hand to her mouth, upsetting the butterfly resting there, while the other pressed against her chest as she drew a slow breath. This is what I had wanted, but I regretted it nonetheless. I bent over my lute and danced my fingers across the strings. I wove cords like water over river stones, like a soft breath against the ear. Then I steeled myself and sang. Her eyes were of the bluest black, like night sky with the clouds blown back. Her skills in love... I stuttered my fingers on the strings, pausing for just a moment as if unsure of something. I saw Florian wake halfway from her reverie and continued. Her skills in love, they do suffice. In close embrace, men find her nice. Flurian, oh Mistress Bright, your touch more sought than silver. I br- What? Even though I was expecting the interruption, the ice in her voice startled me into a jangle of notes and sent several butterflies into flight. I took a breath, assumed my most innocent expression, and looked up. Her expression was a storm of rage and disbelief. Nice. I felt the blood drain from my face at her tone. Her voice was still round and gentle as a distant flute. But that meant nothing. Distant thunder doesn't drub the ears. You feel it prowling through your chest. The quiet of her voice moved through me in that distant thunder way. Nice. It was nice, I said to mollify her. My air of innocence only half affected. She opened her mouth as if she would speak, then closed her mouth. Her eyes flashed pure fury. I'm sorry, I said. I should have known better than to try. I pitched the page is over my name's nick i'm jordana i'm jeremy
1: this is this is a good bit he's doing here
0: he's be he's like a little weasel
1: it's very funny <laughs> <laughs> oh i don't know any better i'm just a little birthday boy <laughs> <laughs> i'm just a little guy i'm just a little i'm very i'm very small and tired he's just a small bean
0: i have no experience with the sex it was a good it was nice It was cute.
1: The first two stanzas that we get of this song, the first two verses are great. And then the next verse that he starts, the one that Falurian interrupts is... Is it nice? Well, no, it's not. It's bad. But it's bad because he uses words like nice, right? Which aren't just like insufficient to describe the experience of seeing and boning Falurian, But they are also just like badly chosen words for the style of poetry that he's working in. I feel like there's a technical term for this that I learned in my dim and distant youth when I was studying poetry, but it's like this is part of what makes a po- like a poem or a song bad. Your meter and your rhyming scheme can all be technically correct, but a poorly chosen word or series of words that are not tonally consistent or not not like not the right kind of vocabulary it just makes the whole thing fall apart. Like nice is the kind of word you would find in like a children's rhyme, maybe. Like the like the rhyme about the Chandrian.
0: In fact they are quite nice to us. Indeed.
1: But such a word does not belong in a song called the Lay of Falurian. And and same thing with like bad comparisons, like her eyes were of the bluest black. Like that's also like bad and you can, and both knows it's bad because he steals himself before he sings he's like this like goes against every instinct in my body i have to sing a bad song that like where i've chosen the words wrong and like the rhymes don't quite work and the meter's off
0: i kind of read it as he's stealing himself to disappoint her he's stealing himself for her anger and he's stealing he's like sort of feeling bad for making her feel bad i think that
1: that's also true, but I also think that it pains him being that he is one of the greatest living songwriters uh, in the known world to deliberately sing a bad song, even if he's doing it for a good cause.
0: I, th- I guess that makes sense. Like, I think sometimes when you're really good at something, doing something that you know is is bad is tricky.
1: Yeah. When you're, when you're particularly good or even competent at an art form or like any kind of technical skill, I suppose, the things that make it good and easy to do it are so like ingrained in your muscle memory that it takes a conscious act of will to do it badly because you've just like trained yourself to do it at the very least competently without really having to think about it. So it's actually harder to do it bad than it is to do it, you know, at a bare minimum of competence, I suppose.
0: We've talked about this before, but one of Rothfuss's great strengths to me is writing bad poetry, is writing poetry that, like, is written as if it's a sophomore effort. Mm-hmm. But what I was going to say is that I almost wonder, like, is she tricked? Did he actually trick her or is she just, like, unable to let this go? You know, because, like, it's so transparent, really. He's clearly a great poet, a great songwriter. He clearly has a way with words. and like when you're writing a song like this you you, everything should be about how they're the best at everything and like even if he's never compared anyone else he's never like had other sex to compare it against like you would still I think
1: you could write about how
0: great your partner was yeah you know like how great Florian was she's the best at everything that's sort of like understood so and so this to me is like a bit transparent and that's kind of why it's funny but, I also wonder if she is actually fooled by it, or if it's just sort of like because of you know the rules that govern her or the way her urges work, if she's like unable to to let that slip like i I don't know i obviously she doesn't have human morality and human um judgment, but I almost wonder, and we can look at the the upcoming pages when we see her reaction. I almost wonder if she is actually like fooled or if she is just sort of like unable to let it go there's even a line I'm, I'm I'm cheating a little bit but there's a line uh coming up that says something like that like you know I I wasn't fooling her I tried to look surprised but I wasn't fooling her you know maybe she understands that this is him trying to to bargain his his escape I don't know I I, I like her more I like her more as someone who like gets it and understands and releases him rather than someone who's fooled by this.
1: I guess it depends what you think the basis for the song being bad is to me. I don't think she doesn't like the song because it describes her in insufficient rapture. I think she doesn't like it because it's like bad. And he tested her ability to recognize a good song from a bad song on the previous two or three pages.
0: Well, and I, I I, think, so I agree with you. And just to reiterate it, I said this on a previous episode, but he's sort of implying that these are the songs that are sung about her now in the mortal world and that there's no song that is like equal to her and that he is sort of holding that song hostage now. He's able to write it, but he won't do it unless she lets him go. And that's what she's really after. She's after like a song that is equal to her magnificence that the mortals will sing.
1: Yes, yes. Well, that does raise an interesting question too, because he plays at least one song for her that is good and that she likes. That is about her.
0: Well, is fine. the The song that he plays that is like not not as terrible is like fine, but not great. In the forest, Fae, it's it's not particularly good, but it it's about her. And then he sings two uh, two songs that are progressively worse.
1: Because I guess the other thing that would make his song unique is that. He's the only person who's ever going to write a song about Valerian, to our knowledge, who has actually met her, right? That's what would set his song apart, whether or not it's better or worse on a technical level. It would be the first song written from the experience of a person who actually has seen Valerian. Potence. Much in the same way, or in a similar way to what Chronicler is doing by writing down Kvothe's story direct from Kvothe's own mouth, it's a first-hand account. Of a legendary figure rather than a, a secondhand account or a hearsay, you know, amalgamation of known stories. Yes. <laughs> Do you have anything else you wanted to add there, Jordana? No, I think I'm good. Today's
0: okay. so letter is from Joe, who writes on page 634, colon, Hi. a fleeting bit. Hello, all. On page 634, while you all were discussing the way Flurian's eyes are described in the text, I believe I caught Nick making a fleeting reference to Quint's monologue on a shark's eyes from Jaws. I did. I was doing that. Having recently watched Jaws, and my brain being what it is, I now have a great need to read Quoth being given his equivalent of the USS Indianapolis monologue about his own experience with shipwreck on his journey from the university to the mayor. Or perhaps a haunting monologue about the Chandrian or malevolent fey creatures would be more appropriate. Regardless, I find the idea of potential parallels between Quoth and characters like Quint or Captain Ahab interesting. You could argue that Quoth joins the other two in being so obsessed with his singular quest for knowledge and revenge that he ends up severely damaging not only said quest, but the rest of his personal and professional lives as well. I suppose we'll see more of this in The Doors of Stone when we finally get to see what turned Quoth into Coat. Do you all think Quoth falls into the same camp as an Ahab or a Quint? Signed, Joe. I don't have enough knowledge to answer this question.
1: In some sense, this entire series of books is his Quint monologue. But if we wanted a more discreet example, honestly, he just gave one, except it's not like kind of a fun, cool, scary story about about a shipwreck and, and the sharks. It's about a truly harrowing experience he had in Tarbin, And we talked about it like a couple of pages ago, but he does have that same, I can imagine quoth delivering that monologue in one take that slowly pushes in on him as, you know, as the characters in the, in the inn are just kind of watching like horrified.
0: Yeah. But to answer your question about whether or not he's an Ahab, I think not yet. I think he's still able to, make smart decisions about his future. He does make sacrifices in order to pursue his kind of singular goal, but he's no Ahab. He's not like taking his uh, boat uh, and all the men aboard to certain death, chasing his, uh, his mad quest for vengeance, at least not yet. I think that he's
1: being set up to become one another like close sort of closer analog in fantasy fiction is Roland Deschain in Stephen King's dark tower. Uh, and when we meet that character, he's already, like, willing to literally let a child he loves like a son die in order to pursue his ultimate goal. So we know right away, like, this guy is a messed up person who's doing messed up stuff to pursue pursue what he thinks is the greater good. Quoth uh, hasn't quite gotten to the child-killing stage yet, but I wouldn't be surprised if the books took us to a conclusion that dire where at the climax of the book, Quoth maybe thinks that he has to do something really heinous in order to revenge himself on the Chandrian.
0: Now, Jeremy, uh, I agree with you, except that Quoth does have at least two uh, confirmed child kills.
1: Yeah, but like those kids had it coming. (laughs)
0: Like he
1: hasn't killed an innocent child. He hasn't like strangled a baby in its crib. He killed some kids who were bad.
0: (laughs) Touché. (laughs) Also at the time, was he not a kid? Which is different than if it's an adult killing a kid.
1: That is different. That's an important distinction. Child on child violence is different.
0: <laughs> yes, it's good and moral and funny. <laughs> oh no, that's not what That's right,
1: that's right. It should be applauded.
0: I mean, how many of us have seen a TikTok where uh, the bullied kid stands up to the bully and like suplexes him? And does we that happen at t- in TikTok?
1: Sure, yeah. When a kid like like does a pile driver on their bully and like drops their skull on the pavement.
0: Right, but that, is that actually happens on TikTok, and it's not staged. Or, you know, various various yeah. internets. Yeah, I definitely have not.
1: I've definitely seen it on, like, YouTube or whatever, sure, you know? Now, what's important here, listeners, is that you heard it here first, Jordana endorses child-on-child violence.
0: What? What? No! No! No, 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 no. <laughs> I, I didn't say any of that. This is a mean bit.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and we are mean-bitter people on tomorrow's page. Um, <laughs> the... Way